a little lower than God. Okay. Is that haughty? Is it arrogant? Is it accurate? I think it's such a startling proclamation that several of the translations in the English Bibles don't say a little less than God. They say a little less than angels. Because that's just a little more palatable, you know? We don't want to be too much like God. That makes us feel heretical. I think so, anyway. In the New uh, International Version, the, the translation is, you've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. In the King James Version, those of us who have it memorized in the Red Letter Bible, for thou hast made him, man, a little lower the, than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. In the New Living Translation, you Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. In the message translation, yet we've so narrowly missed being gods, bright with Eden's dawn light. But in the Hebrew, that word right there that we are a little less than is the word Elohim. The word Elohim is God, not angels, it's God. It's God all over the Genesis creation story in the first chapter. 32 times, mostly with reference to God as the subject of all of the creation activities. Creating, speaking, separating, calling, making, placing, and blessing. The principal question being proposed by the writer of Genesis is, who causes all of the creation to exist? And that causing agent, that causing agent is Elohim, it's God. And here in Psalm 8, that creation is being celebrated and the role of humanity in the ongoing creating activity is also being determined. We who are a little less than Elohim have been crowned with glory and majesty. We are to rule over or have dominion over creation in partnership with God. I don't really like the word dominion. Does anybody wrestle with the word? It feels like dominate. It feels like stand on top of. It doesn't feel very feminist. It doesn't feel very equal. But the sense of that word in the scripture is actually, and this is really cool to me, we are God's viceroys. We are God's ambassadors. We are God's posse, God's people, God's agents, God's substitutes in regards to stewarding the creation. And we don't get to steward it the way we think we're supposed to steward it. Because God has put us in charge of it, we're supposed to do it the way God does. The way God holds the world. The way God loves the world. The way God loves the world. The way God cares for the world. The way God answers the world's cries. This for this, we have been deputized. Are you with me? Anointed, 
appointed, set apart to do the work of the holy. Now let me problematize this for you just a second because I know it's already cooking in your mind. What deeply concerns me is that the way we talk about God, the way we theorize about God, the way we theologize about God, the way we create God in some of our own images is a huge problem if we think we're supposed to be like God in the universe. Is God vindictive? Is God puny and punitive and petty? Is God nefarious? Just, I don't know, I'm in a bad mood. Let me let there be a storm and see if I can kill some people. Or, those bad people deserve the storm, so let me rain out everybody. That story about the flood and the rainbow, I question that theology, though it is in our canon, because I think those primitive people were wrestling with trying to understand God and how God relates to the world, and they decided that God was mad and therefore made a storm. But, you know, check me on that. My elders will talk to me about that later. Maybe I'm making up the Bible live and I don't know. But I wonder about theologies that cast God as the boogeyman, the bad cop, the violent spanker of butts for all of our enemies and everybody we don't agree with. Amen? I wonder what kind of God we make up in order to keep folks in line. Does God rape and pillage the land? Does God not value the kitty cats and the puppies and the cows and the fish as much as God values the humans? Does God believe it's okay to take the resources out of the earth and leave a hole in her soul? Does God create a hierarchy of humankind with the straight, white, Christian citizens of the United States on top and the black, poor, queer, emigrant folks in other nations on the bottom. Is that God? Or, my friends, is that us? This view of God, this understanding of God as someone, some being who created white folks better than black folks, determined that white folks should be able to have manifest destiny about all the lands in the world, determined that black people, because of the curse of Ham or Cain, depending on what theology we read, that we are just destined to be enslaved and broke, who determined that queer love is bad love, that God? We do not understand the power of those theologies when we think about what it means to rule over creation or have dominion over all creation. 
And those theologies are encrusted in the Constitution. They are enshrined in our laws. They live in our legal system. They live in church polity. They live in school polity. They live in housing patterns. They live in the healthcare system. That God, that puny, angry, particular God, is the God of white supremacy that is the God that allows some folks to think that critical race theory is something we shouldn't be talking about. Because to talk about critical race theory is to name the truth of the way our land is shaped on those ideologies. And we have Derek Bell and Kimberly Crenshaw and others to think, to thank about getting this critical race theory conversation on the table? And who do we have to thank for why books are being pulled out of schools, why teachers are being critiqued about teaching, why the media is acting like critical race theory is a problem? Who do we have to thank for that? I'm not really asking you to say names of people. My cousin Larry, <laughs> Aunt Bertha, yeah. What I mean is, the people who take this psalm and think that they are to rule over the world with their power and their might. We have them to thank for that. And so, where we find ourselves is not only our legal system, our educational system, our housing system, our economic system, but the church and our religiosity is scarred by white supremacy. And we have exported this religion all over the nation and all over the globe. It feels like a new story but ProPublica broke the story of those children in Tennessee, you read that, who were arrested for watching other kids fight. The story that they broke is not the story of those 11 black kids arrested, but all the children who've been arrested in that county, Rutherford County, Tennessee, since 2008, because they have a loophole in their law called the filter system, where police and the arresting agents and schools get to decide which little black children need to go to jail. Somebody say, Lord, have mercy. And not only that, the black, ch the children that are detained in that county, 48% arrest rate compared to a 5% arrest rate in the rest of Tennessee. We have to know that there's something foul in that county in Tennessee, amen? And it isn't enough that we export this all over the country. It isn't enough that we're dealing with voting rights and trying to squash it in, in states. It isn't enough that 13 or 14 states have passed laws against critical race theory. We're also exporting hatred now across the globe. Maybe I should say once again. Have you seen the story about Ghana? Have you seen the story about the LGBT roundups? coercions, misplacements in jail, rape and plunder of innocent queer people in Ghana because Ghana is deciding 
that queer people are against their family values. Have you seen that, my friends? I'm so sick at the way our world is moving backwards instead of forwards because there is an agenda at work to make America white, right, as in right ring, biased, greedy, stank, what are the words, what else could we use, mean, prejudiced, homophobic, transphobic, and we're not going to be satisfied until the globe looks that way. I think that Middle Church wants more than that, don't you? I think that Middle Church understands that we are called by God to do a bold new thing on the earth. And that's no less than making this community, this neighborhood, this city, our parish, this nation, and the globe look like God's love rules. That God's love rules. That God's love rules. And that we who are created in the image of God, we who are crowned with glory and honor, we who would stand in the footsteps of the holy, we need to be desperate in the way we communicate what love looks like now, as though our lives depend on it because they do. And so do the lives of those children in Tennessee, those children in Baltimore, those queer people in Ghana. Somebody say amen. amen. I know it's homecoming, and last week I told you you're the church. And I asked you, what kind of church do you want to be? And I was soft and gentle and loving last week because I didn't want to scare you. But today, <laughs> I want to light a fire under you. I want you to feel so invested in what we say and how we say it and what we teach and what we preach and how we train our children and what we put online because God has called us for such a time as this. And this is an all hands on deck moment. There's too much work to do for the collars we've been deemed by Nathan <laughs> and the deacons and the elders. You are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are rulers on God's behalf of a world that is lost and needs to be found, that is blind and needs to find sight. Here's what we're doing and here's what I want you to do. What we've done is we've taken our conference, our annual April conference, and we've broken it down into 10 parts called Freedom Salons. So that those 6,000 people who came last year to be trained on revolutionary love and on anti-racism can find their way into these third Wednesday meetings, smaller meetings, and gather and learn and talk about indigenous reparations, about women's rights, about trans rights, about the environment. We have a beautiful schedule. And at least one of those things is where your heart is cracked wide open and where we want you to find your way in. Please subscribe to those. 
I know, middle people, you think we're going to give you a discount in about a week. We're not. Not this time. It's $199 for 10 of those and the April conference and my book. It's a value of $289. And you get it for $199. Not only that, you get to fund this movement because the budget your board passed has those kinds of programs in it to help raise money. Sign up for the classes. Can you sign up for the classes? Middlechurch.org. I'm inviting you to do that. The second thing I'm inviting you to do is to be evangelists. Now, when I was in seminary, I thought evangelism was a bad word. It made me think about tracks and knocking on doors, and I felt all icky and embarrassed about it. No kidding. But evangelism just means share the good news. If you think middle is a good news place, then let's make sure we invite people to come. We have people who came for the very first time today from all over the country. Amen. And we have people online for the very first time today from all over the world. And we can tell ourselves, good, we got it. We did it. We didn't do it yet. <laughs> We're not finished until every couch is holding a butt that is watching a screen about revolutionary love, about just love. We're not finished until the whole country can sing We Shall Overcome, the Titus Burgess version. We're not finished until all the people sitting in the middle and wondering, can the Jews come? Can the Muslims come? Can the Buddhists come? Does God love everybody? Hell yeah, God loves everybody. When everybody's clear, we've done our job. Somebody say amen. So take a moment when you get that email. Share that email with your mama, your daddy, Uncle Bill, Uncle Bob. Send the notes out. Invite people to come and let's keep growing the movement. There's plenty of good room in God's reign for the people. That's number two. And number three, I'm asking you to be on a personal spiritual journey this year. Like you know what that looks like for you. Where's the place where you're wrestling? Where's the place where you're struggling? Where's the place where you're afraid or your faith muscle needs to be strengthened? Pick a thing, a class, a moment, the choir, the deacons. Pick a part of Middle Church and stretch your soul by engaging in those activities, your own self. Register for the class, share the story, take a spiritual personal journey with us this year. I'm so overwhelmed with fire that keeps on burning, with figuring out how to rebuild, with wondering what this is all going to be like, and the world that's just a hot mess. I need your help. The staff needs your help. We need you to be in this. Not as spectators, but as stakeholders. 
And so the next time I talk, I'm going to be talking about your financial commitment to this movement. That's part three next week. Don't stay home. All right? Come on, y'all. There's work to be done. And we can do this together. Amen.